I barely remember what happened next. I gave myself up to the bear's rage. Its anger and my own became one. All the tension within me, all the uncertainty, all the doubts were swept away as I gave myself up to the bear's violence. I remember that at some point Jake got into his tiger morph and joined the fight, and I have flashing images from my memory of terrible destruction, of ripping claws and crushing jaws. But the next thing I clearly remember is flying up the long drop shaft while Jake's voice in my head kept saying, Rachel, morph out, morph out, you're out of control, you are out of control, morph. I was clawing wildly at the air, trying to kill the tiger that was suspended above me in the drop shaft, trying to kill Jake. I felt as if I had snapped awake from a dream. Slowly, as we rose toward the surface, I left the bear and returned to myself. They, uh, she talked talk about how the, the drop shaft seems to last forever, um, and she sort of sheds the last of the bear form as they enter. She enter, and, she talk, and she's disassociating. She's confused. She's mm-hmm. disconnected. Um, everyone is there already. Axe is trying to morph his human body, but he's having issues. We get this reminder about how exhausting morphing is. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we they find out that they're at the base of the water tower behind the school, and uh, how they have to sort of get out of there. Yeah, uh, they've already taken care of the guards, uh, mm-hmm. as it were, the human controllers who are now unconscious. Uh, Jake asks if Rachel's okay. She's like, tired is all. Uh, I never morphed the bear before, didn't have time to get control. Sorry. Um, her, she doesn't sound as aggressive as that. That's me running out of breath as I finish the sentence. Uh, <laughs> and Jake is the one just like, it's. A, I assume it's Jake, because mm-hmm. it has to be in this moment. It's okay, Rachel, that grizzly got us all out of there, but get some rest, huh? Yeah, rest would be nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. Somehow I made it home. I crawled into my bed and fell instantly asleep. Uh, the only way that I can rationalize, I mean, obviously it's just because the authors weren't thinking about it, but the only way that I can rationalize that, you know, folks don't know that they're human from them running through the air pool after exploding out of a taxon, uh, Mm -hmm. is because they killed all of the witnesses. Yeah. Her and Axe and Jake just fucking tore through however many humans in hork at least enough so that they can't maybe they're not all dead but they can't all mm-hmm. uh report mm-hmm. they don't um they don't think of the controllers as um like controllers they don't personally know are already lost when they get yerked it's like yeah. they don't they don't care about the yeah. bodies the Yurks are using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they straight up do not fucking care about the Horkbishir at all. The humans at least, they're like, well, I'm gonna try to be non-lethal, quote unquote non-lethal, um, in in how we attack them, but like Nah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They they do not make that connection at all they don't attempt to you know preserve the people that these yurks are using as hosts in any way like i'm like if they weren't 13 Mm -hmm. that's the thing (laughs) if they weren't 13 i would be like what the fuck are you doing 
But they are. But they are. It's also probably like an unconscious defense mm-hmm. self it's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Don't think yeah. about them as people. And you know, we've run into this uh with um dumb kids as well. Mm-hmm. Hawk Bajir looks scary. Mm-hmm. And they always get taken out first in the fights, despite the fact that other things might arguably be more dangerous. Mm-hmm. You take the knife lizards off the field. Yep. Because they're the most risk. The fact that a couple of us, when's this going to come out? Yeah, no, that's revealed. That's all, that has already all happened. We're on that mission now. We have, that a couple of our group have Hawk Bajir morphs. Mm-hmm. I wonder how much that might affect that going forward. Yeah. Like our understanding of it. Yeah. And given the kinds of characters and positions that we've sort of created for ourselves. Yeah. Along with the understanding about how, like, there's a Yerk Peace movement and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's very much a strong reminder of the fact that, um, like, when... the I don't know how other uh, militaries handle it, um, but definitely in the U.S. military... Um, as part of your training, you're trained not to think of, and this happens with cops too, and that's part of why it's such a huge issue. Um, mm-hmm. you're trained not to think of your enemy as people, mm-hmm. um, because it keeps you from making the decision to kill them. Um, and so they emphasize the difference between us and them. and emphasize the unit of your team and how strong those bonds have to be and like your comrades are much more important than anybody else on the other side and Um, we even see in action where like rachel's just like what kind of guy oh it's a human controller it's not a person mm -hmm. and then that that guy's hand gets chopped off yeah just straight up we don't know if that was a voluntary controller or somebody that was forced into it. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, it was a threat to her. Mm-hmm. And like, they are having to do horrible things. Of yeah. course, they're going to, you can't help but just try to distance yourself from that. They're, they're protecting yeah. themselves. And like, yeah. that's part of why Axe has got that, like, the propaganda brain, like, been forced to drink the Kool Aid, just like the Yerks are the enemy, they are our enemy. They are the worst thing in the world. We have never done anything bad to a yerk in our life, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's also like, it. I don't even know that it would be so bad if they treated humans like they treated the hork mm-hmm. or the taxons, you know? Like, if they treated them all like, you know, I have to kill them because it's it's them or me and we're fighting a war. And, yeah. you know, I, I can't avoid casualties because if I die... Like, there's no one else to fight for humanity. Um, Mm -hmm. But they don't. It's They purposefully try to not kill humans, but don't care if they kill Hork-Bajir, and especially don't fucking care if they kill taxons. Mm -hmm. Because taxons are giant bugs, and humans don't don't like bugs. Yeah, humans don't like bugs, and they they don't see them, they see them even less as people than the Hork-Bajir. Because they're not humanoid. Yeah, I was gonna say, that's a, maybe a smart choice on the part of Kay Applegate, like, forgive the enemies, like, the Yerks are slugs. How yeah. do you, I think we talked about this a little with last, but how do you empathize with a, a slug? Yeah. If something can't make a face that you can recognize as a face, 
it, it's depersonalized. Mm -hmm. Like the way human brains are designed by like Andalites look weird, but they have eyes that you can recognize. They have expressions. Yep. They know when Axe is smiling, even though he doesn't have a mouth. Yep. Or they're projecting into a vibe, but they can instinctively do that. And because of the way uh, their thoughts speak as well. Mm -hmm. If the Hawk Bajir could speak completely, like if it wasn't that strange mix of languages and could actually talk, maybe we would see something different. But. Mm -hmm. Again, that's emphasized the way that they have that mishmash of language. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a way to make it easier to fight them. Yeah. And uh, taxons are introduced to them as evil, and they never meet a yep. taxon who isn't starving. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's. It makes, like, I have a hard time wrestling with it, mostly because um, I think that I think that they could have done better, right? Not the animals, but the writers. Mm. In do you think? Do you think this is showing, why they did the Hawk Bajir Chronicles? Say again, like a retroactive thing. Do you think that's maybe why they wrote the Hawk Bajir Chronicles later? Going, oh, we kind of fucked up. Uh, the Hawk Bajir, um, no. Okay. Short cool. answer: No. That. The Hork-Bajir are really, 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 really given the short end of the stick. Mm. Um, and they are... They're racialized in a way that's really bad. Mm. Um, mm. And not given agency in ways that are really, really, really bad. Um... Mm. And so I think it's mostly a case of the authors, like, not thinking about it and giving into these stereotypes. Um, and that's, that's part of why I'm just like, like, you guys could have done so much better. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, it, I think it would have been more interesting. Mm. Um, especially when we, when we learn about Cassie, because Cassie also has some significant problems coming up, but, um, like Cassie has a lot of moral crises about killing people. Um, and I think it would be interesting to like mm. actually have that explored rather than the weird kind of cyclical nature that case Cassie's, uh, characterization goes in where it's like she'll have a crisis at the beginning of the book and then come to uh, a point in the middle of the book that's like oh like this is the answer and then at the end come back to the other side and it's just like this weird circle of non-growth it's kind of sitcom-y really mm -hmm. um so which is all to say <laughs> long tangent um that you know, I really think that it it could have been it could have been done way better, um, and just these snippets that we get of instances like this, like Will has pointed out um, twice in this book, it happens where it's like, oh, you're a controller. Of course, that's like you don't matter, or you know, of course, that's why you would do this heinous thing. Um, so. 
Love to get soapboxy. Can't wait till book four, 13. <laughs> I have heard but book 13 mentioned, and there's always spoiler tags, and I'm like, mm, that's <laughs> going to be a fun one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, let's let let us step away from the uh, missed opportunity and fuck up. Yep. Um. So the next day. Yep. Uh, Rachel is like out of it, understandably, and her mum's like jing her up to get ready for school. And um, mm-hmm. we know that she shares a bathroom with Jordan, so uh, we have mm-hmm. that she goes to her mother's room, just like wants to use her mum's shower. And like she's like, can I use the shower? Just like my mum, just like you're wearing the clothes you came home in. You came in at nine thirty barefoot, wearing a leotard. That's what you're still wearing. And Kate Rachel's just like, mm-hmm. Uh, I left my shoes at Cassie's. I showed her some just nice. Can I use your shower? <laughs> <laughs> and my mum's just like, you fell asleep without having dinner, Rachel. If you're having problems, I want you to talk to me. And Rachel, bless her, just bursts out laughing. Like, why would I be laughing? Why would I have any problems? And she's just giggling. Mm-hmm. And her mum's just like, I have to go. Um, I can't just, deal with whatever I, this I is. I have early call appearances, but I have to do this. I think you and I need to talk. Uh, acknowledges about the curveball being thrown by the dad. And then she has this. And uh, Rachel's just like, can I use your shelf? <laughs> um, and her mum's just like, yes, make sure your sister gets on the bus. Uh, I love the fled to the sanctuary of steaming her water. Just like, yes, mm-hmm. the shower. <laughs> uh, but sh- she's in there long enough to r- start running out of hot water and bless Jordan who's just like Rachel did you fall in um, <laughs> which is the kind of joke I make um, <laughs> far too often but again we have this seeing how Rachel can get caught in these thought spirals as well and she thinks about like mm-hmm. these visceral memories like the feel of being at the stomach uh, busting out the attacks on stomach the side of Tobias human again briefly and then the battle being the bear Mm-hmm. Um, and but Rachel uh, passes the buck, uh, says to asks Jordan to get Sarah off to school, and that says she's running late, and that Jordan should head off too. And then Rachel skips school, and she's mm-hmm. so valid. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They don't. Uh, they don't get to stop doing any of the thousands of things they have to do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And then, but we get on, she's watching TV and she just like enjoys seeing other people's problems. Yeah. Um, but, and I like this where I mentioned earlier that she tends to echo other people's lines and we have this other people's voices in her head, mm-hmm. like the Elemist and Jake and her dad. And, and she's just like trying to balance these two parts of herself. Like mm-hmm. she is these two people, like there is Rachel who is like this normal girl and then there is this warrior Mm -hmm. and Uh, yeah yeah she she, yeah (laughs) uh she makes herself a sandwich for lunch uh but her dad comes on the new news she yells at the tv because she's so upset at him um not that he can hear her because he's on the television but um because she doesn't know what to do um, and tunes into the last bit of the sixth segment to hear her, uh, like one of the other news anchors being like, oh, you're going to be leaving us. It's going to be a great opportunity. And her dad being like, yeah, it will, but I'm going to miss everything. And Rachel just like, can't, just cannot at all. 
deal with any of this shit. Um, I, I just, I, the, I, I love the underscoring of mm-hmm. like, and I mean, it's not necessarily subtle, but it's, I think it's still very well done. Just like the, the leaving and picking us mm-hmm. the good for a small number versus mm-hmm. a bigger number. Yeah. And just like the way the Elamish choice reflects the choice her dad is asking her to make. Mm-hmm. And like how it is a great opportunity to be mm-hmm. saved, to choose mm-hmm. to save some people. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously why it feels so shitty, like for Rachel to hear. Um, I don't blame her. And she's like, I need to stop thinking. So she morphs and goes flying. Yeah. And we get this jump, like within the same paragraph, that she goes out of her window and soars into the sky and then later that afternoon everyone hooks up at cassie's barn um and everyone is kind of judging rachel for having flown to the meeting um instead of just taking the bus um and they're all kind of like oh so where have you been what if what have you been doing today um in in varying degrees of accusation um Mm -hmm. cassie being cassie is like hey come over give me a hand with this bird that i'm trying to bandage its wing and she asks like real gently like i didn't see you at school today and rachel's just like i felt kind of sick so i stayed home uh and jake cuts in being kind of nasty frankly Mm. but you felt better this afternoon huh so much better that you decided to morph how did you get here just out of curiosity which like kind of reminds me of that that uh image of a kid feeling sick in the morning and staying home from school and then Mm -hmm. later that afternoon is feeling a little better and the parents like oh you're feeling better this afternoon and it's like yeah but i was sick this morning Mm -hmm. um Uh I love this conversation between Jake and Rachel. Mm-hmm. And he's just, uh, and he's like, how do you get here? And, she, and she's just like, I flew. Is that okay with you? And then he looks at Cassie and Marco and they're back. And just like, the bear you morphed. You went to the gardens and acquired that all on your own, didn't you? And she's like, no, I met the bear at the mall. <laughs> um, he's like, okay. And today you ditch school and end up morphing when, whatever you morphed. Uh, Tobias busts her hair. He's just mm-hmm. like, says that he saw her. And figured out it was her because a real eagle would have perched for a while, didn't just fly. Um, and Rachel's defensive about, like, and again, leaning on that sarcasm. Uh, Tobias is like, you've demorphed and morphed because I saw you at noon. Mm-hmm. And Jake's like, you spend the whole afternoon in morph. And he, she's just like, yes, mother. And that's when Jake really gets up in her face. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one, that's leader privilege, quote privilege, and two, that's rel- that's relative. Like I only know a few people in my life who would get up in my face like that, and it's the people that know me best. Uh-huh. But uh, and they are and cousins. He, yeah, they exactly cousins. that. But he's just like, don't give me your sarcasm. You're being weird. That's everyone's business. Because if you do something stupid, we all end up paying the price. You go and acquire a grizzly without backup, you could have been killed. And Rachel just throws back, "We're all doomed anyway. What does it matter?" What does anything matter? Mm, and Jake, the, yeah, and the fight just goes out of Jake. And he's like, I don't have answers. I'm sick of trying to have answers. And I'm like, baby, it's book seven. <laughs> it's book seven. <laughs> um, and he's just like, you decide. I don't want to argue with you. I don't know what your problem is, but you know what? You deal with it. 
and she's like, I've never seen Jake look so tired. One minute he was being strong, sensible Jake, leader of the Animorphs, and the next he looked exhausted. His eyes were red. He was blinking constantly. He looked like he was worn out just from breathing. He never asked to be the leader. Nope. No. He never got a choice about it. Nope. No. I appreciate the reading that, like, Rachel points out he looks like he was worn out just from breathing. That looks, that description sounds like somebody about to cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The red eyes and the blinking. That's trying not to cry. Mm-hmm. And that's just this kid. Mm-hmm. And his, his cousins, he's worried about all of them so much. Rachel could have died mm-hmm. doing that. And he's like trying to be responsible and be the adult. And he's just getting him shit. And he's just like, you know what? Fine. I won't be the adult. It's Mm -hmm. so, I'm so tired of having to be that person for all of you. Yeah. Yep. He doesn't say all of you. He's talking about Rachel specifically in that moment. Mm -hmm. But it's clear that it's there. And I think maybe that vulnerability maybe is what, uh, or maybe it's just like she's regenerate because that's when Rachel says about her dad wanting her to move out of state. And I like that everybody stares at her and Cassie just asks, like, what are you going to do? Um, They all had blank, tired eyes, not much different from Jake's. And none of them, none of them tell her, like, oh, it's nothing. Like, none of them say that's not a big decision to make. Cassie points out um, different things bother different people. I know how you feel about your dad. Um, When Rachel's like, how can I even think about something that unimportant? I mean, we have bigger things to worry about. Um, But none of them, none of them reinforce that negative self-talk. Yeah. Um, They're they're all just like, yeah, that's a fucking gut punch in the middle of all this shit. And and she starts spinning out. Yeah. And understandably, she feels like she feels like she's choking and their brain's going, and what, what am I supposed to do? And she has to talk about having to decide who I want to hurt. Her mom or her dad or you guys. And Marco does Marco and tries to make a joke to lighten things, to take some of that weight off her. He gives her the out to make a joke like we've seen it done before. Mm-hmm. And but she, it work. Uh, yeah, he refers to Rosina and she's just like, no, I'm not. Um, I'm not in some comic book. <coughs> I'm scared. And just like, and she just goes on and on about how scared I am. And then obviously we have it underscored. Now everyone's going, oh, just come live with me. We'll go to ball games. And hey, forget moving to another state. We have a whole other planet for you. And the more exits I see, the more scared I get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, the comment I made on this, too many choices, too many chances to make the wrong choice, more people to let down. Mm-hmm. Every time there's a new choice, there's a new things to consider. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's Marco yeah. of all people. Yeah. Well, they all sit for a while and just kind of mm. sit in that. And yeah. I think it really says something to just how fucking tired they all are. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco does kind of, he makes a joke, but it's not really a joke. Um, mm-hmm. he says he's changing his vote. If the LMS asks again, he's going to vote yes. Jake asks why. And Marco said, Rachel's losing it. If she loses it, how long are the rest of us going to last? And Rachel's like, shut up, Marco. I'm not in the mood for your jokes. 
Me neither, Marco said flatly. You know how much sleep I got last night? About an hour. Nightmares. I was a zombie in school today. I feel like... like my skin has all been rubbed with sandpaper. I'm jumpy, I'm scared, I'm stressed. And Jake's like, it's gonna happen. Uh, and Marco says, this was always insane right from the start. A handful of kids fighting an alien evasion. Look what's happening. Tobias is trapped in a morph. Rachel is starting to use morphing to get away from her problems. The other night, I woke up in bed and I didn't know what I was. I didn't know if I had hands or fins or claws or talons. Maybe you or Cassie are immune, Jake, but I doubt it. And Jake's like, we can't give up. And Marco says, all we ever do is lose. Maybe we blow up a ship or have some little excess, but the invasion marches on. And we only ever barely escape with our lives. Um, and Jake's just like, I'm not giving up. And Cassie returns to her uh, uh, metaphor of the raccoon in a trap and trying to, to save it. Um, Jake's continues to be really fucking stubborn. Marco's just like, look, if the Elmist was trying to hurt us, he would have done it already. Um, so he must be trying to help us. Um, and so everybody has kind of all voted because Jake, Jake is still against, Cassie is for, Tobias is against, Marco is for, and the vote is now up to Rachel because of course it's up to Rachel. Because this book is um, about Rachel's choices. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it would mean no more battles. It would mean that somewhere, wherever the Elemis took us, there would be no job in another state for my dad. There would be no more painful decisions for me to make. I opened my mouth. I started to speak. And then the Elemis sh fucking shows up again. Because he's really good at picking his timing. Yeah. And I think the thing is, he's he's interrupting mm -hmm. <clears throat> because Rachel making a choice now isn't what he wants. No, And I think that becomes astoundingly clear is he needs her to make a certain choice. Yeah, for certain that, reasons. Which is why he interrupted her there and why he cho chooses to show them what he shows them. Yeah. And he says, I will show you what you need to understand. Yeah. That's not everybody. That's Rachel as much as it is anything. Yeah. And this, this whole book is kind of a turning point. Um because we can see that the Animorphs just get fucking ground into the fucking dirt from books one to seven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't had any victories at all. They've only had their asses kicked, and they're all ready to give up. And in this book, they actually do get a victory. And it's that victory that makes them keep fighting. Um, and I think that in more ways than one, the Elemist interfering now mm -hmm. isn't just to show them, oh, this is where the Candrona is. It's also give to give them a win um, that they desperately need in order to keep going. And by doing this, here is good. And this is the moment. I thought the time freezing was weird, but mm. I accepted it. Mm -hmm. Now we're fucking seeing the future. We're going full hollow deck. But it's not. <laughs> Apparently, they actually are in the future. And I'm there just like, this is the fucking eyeball thrown again. Danielle said it was going to get weirder. And here it is. But weird. 
Oh, it's really funny that you think this is the weird part. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's escalating is yes. my point, Daniel. Yes, yes. You thought it was soft sci-fi maybe with aliens and then it was? No, no, no. Here comes the hard sci-fi. Like, you, we just cracked the door, you came in, and here I am with my frying pan that I'm going to smack you in the face with, you wanted sci-fi, bang! <laughs> but yes, I think uh, we don't agree mm -hmm. about what hard and soft sci-fi are, uh, Jade. <laughs> That's to be fair. That's fair. Um, now, I'm, pr I'm probably using the terms incorrectly, but I appreciate there's a sliding scale but there are also some things that, yeah, nah. You and I can have a discussion about the logistics of what constitutes hard and soft sci-fi if you want. I'm totally down. That's not me trying to diffuse it. Perhaps not right now, though. It Perhaps not right now. <laughs> right. The Elemist has just taken them into a future. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh. I'm, uh, I tend to interpret this as a very deliberately created future. I think the I Elemist made this exactly the way he wanted it to be. Mm -hmm. To maximize mm -hmm. the emotional effect on mm -hmm. the Animorphs and mm -hmm. to make them see what he wanted them to see and do what he wanted them to do. And it's a real yep. dick move. Mm -hmm. But it mm -hmm. also um, solves some continuity problems. If this isn't a real future. Yeah. Yeah, no, I 100% I don't think this is a real future. Um, mm -hmm. Because that's where that's where they all are. They, they all vanish from the barn, and now they're just in the middle of an empty field of unkempt grass. Like, the plants around them are dying. Everything, it's like a giant dust bowl. Um, everybody's just like, oh, well, here the fuck we go again. Um, Tobias is here. Axe is here too, um, which is weird because he wasn't. Um, and uh, they're like, "Well, what the fuck do we do?" And they're just like, "I guess we just walk because I don't know." Um, the sky is yellow. Uh, the air smells funny. Um, Axe says there's a time distortion going on. Cassie's the one who says it's the future. And that's where this discussion is coming from, is because all of the Animorphs believe it is their future. Because they don't have any reason to believe otherwise. They, the Elemist told them they would lose and now shows them what losing looked like. Um, but I absolutely agree with Will's assessment that this is not mm. their future. It's a future that maybe it is truly just an alternate timeline that he has picked up and placed down for the, them to to see or maybe it's one that he created wholesale hmm. but it's there there're too many inconsistencies here for it to make any fucking sense as their future mm -hmm. it's a future which has the candrona in the same place yes crucially mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, and that's what we have now is like we have these kids exploring. They see the school. They see an empty highway. Mm -hmm. um, the mall. Mm -hmm. uh, a maglev train. Mm -hmm. Which are fucking dope. I, like. I love maglev trains. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but yeah, the mall is now a taxon hive. Yep. Which is just such a good visual. Mm-hmm. Like big holes, like cut into the sides of the big department stores and just like taxons crawling in and out of it. Mm-hmm. They pass their history classroom and see a skeleton sitting at the desk as if the the body died and was just left there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, <laughs> Marco's like, it's impossible for us to be in the future. And Axe is like, maybe impossible for humans, but not for Elemists. <laughs> and Rachel's <laughs> the one who says, oh, I get it. It's a lesson. The Elemist is showing us what happens in the future. How cute, how clever. But how do we know this is really the future and not just some little show he's putting on? Thank you, Rachel. And thank you, Rachel, mm-hmm. for getting it, even though you don't stick to your guns on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I love so yep, they do this. This is great. Uh they suss out the Maglev train. <laughs> and this is what that callback that I mentioned. Uh it's like um a train, only faster. They're going perhaps three hundred or more of your miles per hour. They're everyone's miles, Marco said. You're on Earth Axe. We all have the same miles. What about nations that use kilometers? Axe asked smugly. See, <laughs> I am learning. And I'm just like, Yes. Yes, good. <laughs> We do all use the same minutes, though. We do all use the same minutes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so the kids uh, realize they are going to take... There's a drop shaft just outside the mall that goes up to the Maglev station. Um, Mm -hmm. And they point out that they're probably not in any risk because the Elemis isn't going to bring them there to die. Mm -hmm. That would Um, disturb the timeline. Mm. Uh, Axe makes the decides about um, he should go into human morph because they wouldn't see any other andalite controllers except Visa Three. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how Mark is like, "Are you sure? Maybe in the future the andalites used to the Erx too." And Axe is just like, "Never." Mm. Just like, but uh, oh, they uh, they hop the train because mm-hmm. um, they might as well, they're gonna pass for controllers. Axe mourns the loss of the mall um, and its excellent foods for tasting. Um, so that's how the Elemist really missed out by not talking about how good cinnamon buns are and chocolate. <laughs> buns, uh, uh... yeah. But they get to the drop shaft and they uh, notice that a yerk pulls on the roof of the mall um, and how there are no cages there because it's like just taxons just chilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they uh, they take this cool custom train with space for taxons and hawkbajir and human controllers. Um, and they uh, head downtown, as it were. And uh, very quickly. Um, and uh, we see that uh, there's a, uh, Rachel observes like taxons calling outside of a building, how the EGS tower is still there. Uh, or the how it's the tallest building in town. 60 stories tall. Uh, for some reason, the top two floors had been sheared away, then covered with a glass dome. A pile of sunlight speckled off the dome. It was almost like a beacon. Um, but took about how. For some yeah. reason. Uh, but lots lots of buildings are just gone. Yeah. Um, and they turn the corner and they get to where the city arena where we started the book is and it's gone. Mm-hmm. It's now a yerk ball. Three times as wide as a football field is long, maybe four times as wide. And all around it were cages. Mm-hmm. And they observe how the humans and hawkbushes in the cages no longer called out for help and given up. Yep. There's no help coming. And uh, then we have this moment where a human controller like bumps into them, and Rachel's like, "It doesn't say bitch, please," but 
you know, uh, so it does say excuse me in a sarcastic voice. And this woman is a real Karen about it. Um, just what do you say? Nothing. What's your name? And Rachel is ready to get into a fight. And it's mm-hmm. Tobias who cuts him just like her name's not your concern. And uh, and then they just then they decide to pass off this uh, axe as Vista three, and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just axe axe leans in real quick, like it's yeah. just like uh, and go returns to his adlight morph, and uh, but you said Vista three only Vista one has an adlight host body. Great, Vista three had been promoted, <laughs> but then Rachel's like, yeah, but he was Vista three in the old days, back when we were all friends, comrades in arms, and then. Uh, this woman's terrified. Mr. Three's reputation's not died any. And Axe is just like, yeah, look at it. Silence. <laughs> You're very right to remain vigilant. If, if you had not been vigilant, I would have destroyed you for being careless. Now get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's pretty in character for Visor Three. Gotta say. Yeah. It's true. Yep. I love how they just left on the street, gaping at the pool, a load of controllers just looking at them. Mucko's just like, it's going to get around fast that uh, <laughs> Visa 3 is here and someone's going to realize the truth. Yep. Um, so they go over towards the Yerk pool um, and see a bug fighter landing. Um, they When they go over to the bug fighter, uh, Visser 3 is here. Surprise, surprise. Visser 3 is always here. Um, but then but there is a surprise. Then there is a surprise because the other person that walks out of the bug fighter is a human. And that human is Rachel. Um, future Rachel. Different Rachel. 20, 22 years old. Yep. Short hair, no makeup, plain clothes. Yep. Um, and future Rachel exposes that, like, Yes, I told you, Visser. This is. I knew you were coming. I knew that these guys would coming. I I told the Visser that you would be here because I once was you and stood where you stood now, and it's all very uh, time loop bullshit. Let's do um, the time warp again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, oh, future Rachel seems nervous. Like we keep seeing the eyes flicking, and this is not what this Rachel was expecting. Yes. She wasn't expecting specifically. Uh, she wasn't expecting Axe. She was. Ex- uh, she and the Visser were expecting six humans, which is um, one of those um, irregularities that we were talking about. Yeah. Right. Um, because uh, uh, they are five humans and one Andalite, not six humans. But they've also never been six humans, and so it's mm-hmm. weird that. Any Rachel would have thought that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but basically they gloat and they're like, aha, see, we've won. Um, you know, there, there's, uh, you made the wrong choice uh, when the Elemis gave you his offer and everything worked out perfectly. Um and Jake tries to be like, oh, well, maybe we'll make the other decision, whatever decision we were making, and <laughs> tries to see what decision led to this, but other Rachel isn't really doing anything. Um, <laughs> Visser 3 is like, confusing, isn't it? I don't know how the LMS keep it all straight. <laughs> because it's it's very, like, uh, it's very Vicini at, in The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Um you know, like I cannot drink the cup in front of you. 
Yes, mm-hmm. I clearly cannot cannot drink the cup in front of you or me or you. Um, and <laughs> the other Rachel like fucking trips and starts falling towards Rachel and grabs Rachel and acts as like, oh no, she's lunging for her. And so everything becomes very tense very fast. Um, and young Rachel uh, twigs that this is not how it was supposed to go. This isn't in the script. Something's changed and it's acts that's changed because you expected six humans, not five humans in an Andalite. Um, and Vista 3 tries to fucking gloat some more and intimidate them. He says, we caught all of you. We gave each of you to a trusted lieutenant and, uh, I killed your bird friend and ate him. Um, he, he roasted with barbecue him him. sauce with barbecue sauce yep um and <laughs> and axe is like he can't hurt us he can't do a thing to us if he does he would change history he doesn't know how that would work out and jake's like good point axe he can't hurt us but the reverse well and and rachel starts morphing grizzly bear <laughs> and viscer <laughs> three's like don't do it i have a hundred hork bajir and marco's like hmm yeah, uh, maybe cool. one of them will shoot us. And then how's that going to change things? Isn't it going to ruin your whole nice little gig here? And uh, Rachel and the Visser, other Rachel and the Visser begin to retreat. Um, Rachel, young Rachel, has morphed the bear and charges at Visser 3 um, and tries to kill him. But right at the point when she was going to uh, basically hit him and and kill him, uh, they're snapped back to reality. Um, Extremely pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rachel's just so angry because this is this is truly some fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, She's sad because, like, what's the point? What's the point of doing anything if we know what the future is going to be? Um, if we stay and fight, like, that's what's going to happen. Um, and she kind of sits down. Uh, I love this description. Done trying to make sense of a world where I could be jerked back and forth like a puppet. Oof. Um, and they all just kind of sit there and stare at nothing for a while. Just, like, thinking and, and letting it all sink in. Um, it was over, the war was done, and we had lost. It could all still be an Elemis trick, Axe said half-heartedly. No, I said flatly. You know it's not a trick, Axe. At least not the way you mean. If the Elemist wanted to force us to do something, he has more than enough power. Jake's like, we need to think it through. Rachel's like, you think it through. I'm tired of thinking. I was just about to vote when the Elemist dragged us off for this little show and tell. I was about to be good old Rachel and vote no. I was going to be tough one more time, but I'm changing my vote. I'm not going to end up as a controller. That's not going to happen. Not to me. If that means I'm running away, too bad. I changed my vote. And you know what? At that moment of surrender, I felt good. I wish I could say I didn't, but I felt a wave of relief wash over me. No more hard decisions. No more danger. No more having to be brave. And fuck if that isn't a decision-making mood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, when you're, mm-hmm. yep. when you're just trapped between two... Dis- a decision that you have to make and you can't figure out what you want to do it at the end of the day sometimes it doesn't even matter which one you decide as long as you decide mm-hmm. um because you get that 
release of tension and because once you have a direction it's easy to go in that direction it's choosing the direction that makes it really hard um so they all have determined their vote um and and the elemist does not show up yep um yeah, Jake is like, we've decided the answer is yes, and nothing fucking happens. <laughs> we get this line, I can't tell you how weird it was going to school the next day, sitting in class trying to pay attention while my teacher, Miss Paloma, talked about what led up to the Second World War. And we get this interesting kind of piece here that allows Rachel to, to finally figure it all out. Um, because she sat there just thinking, like, was it your skeleton that I saw there? Like, what is the point of any of this? Why are we still here? Um, Which are and normal things go for, for teenagers to think, but uh, oh, usually yeah. not in this context. Uh, well, the skeleton <laughs> thing is not normal. Yeah, and then we get some really, like, prescient uh, speech from the history teacher. Uh, because yeah. we were so devoted to peace, we may have actually made the war worse. We'll never know for sure, of course. You can't really second-guess history. You can if you're an Elemist, I thought. If you're an Elemist, you can look ahead and see it all. Why not? It was Cassie's voice. I glanced across the room at her. She had the same look of confusion I'd seen the day before. The frustrated look, like she sensed something that she couldn't quite grasp yet. Why can't you second-guess history? I mean, if you could go back and change things so that the U.S. was ready to fight earlier... Never mind the fact that the U.S. just didn't fucking care that fascists were riding, rising in there. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, but I'm just going to slide that in there. Um, mm -hmm. And but the history teacher goes what, on, what like, what events... Miss Paloma says is great. Yeah. Do you want to read it? Um, yeah, sure. Because events are intertwined in ways we cannot always see, Cassie. Sometimes small things can make huge differences. You know, they say that a single butterfly beating its wings in China may affect the way the wind blows here in our country. A single butterfly beating its wings may make a tiny change that becomes a bigger change that becomes a tornado. The world isn't like math. It isn't just one plus one equals two. It's more complicated than that. And then the oddest thing happened. Miss Paloma looked right at me, right into my eyes. Much more complicated than that, she said. A single butterfly. A single butterfly. A single butterfly. And the hair on the back of Rachel's neck is tingling and everyone's looking at Miss Paloma like she's crazy. And then Miss Paloma like shakes her head like she's popping out of a trance. Just smiles this confused smile. Just like, hmm. Elemist? My my dude. Can we can we can we have a conversation about subtlety? No. <laughs> um, but yeah, Miss Paloma snaps out of it, hands out the uh the reading assignments. End of the lesson, and Cassie's like, that was weird. And Rachel's just like, oh, okay, I th I'm glad you thought it was weird because I thought I was imagining it. <laughs> um, and they're talking about how it's weird that the Elemist hasn't zapped them out of it yet. Um, and they're talking about, and Rachel's like, not sure about why they haven't been pulled out yet. Mm -hmm. And then she has the realization that maybe he hasn't popped them out because they didn't give the answer he wanted. And yeah. like, and then they comment on the timing of when. He got to them last time, mm -hmm. and then uh, he might have figured we wanted to bail. And Rachel was like, "Yeah, except we saw the drop shaft, so we thought we could escape." And like, and then that's when it hits mm -hmm. the pair of them. Yep, I love he, it when Cassie gets the drop to be shaft. smart. Mm. Yeah, 
And they just have this realization of he appears when we're desperate. He says he doesn't have fear and gives us a choice. And then he lets us see a way out. Then he gives us another chance. He shows us the future. He shows us you basically, you in the future. So we know for sure that we must have decided to stay and fight and we know we lost. And all that means we have to say yes to let him take us away. So why have I been feeling like I was missing something? I appreciate this. This is insane, as Marco would say. And we have this real lovely line, which I have said something similar in a recording, actually. It's amusing. But uh, mm. a single butterfly, I thought. But how is the butterfly supposed to know when to beat her wings? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then Rachel has just a weird as fuck dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, you know, fair. Um, and she realizes that it's the Candrona. That he was showing them the Candrona. Um, and I love that she wakes up like, ha ha, yes. Um, and then she's like, wait, did I get this right? And then she like runs through her dream in her head and she's mm-hmm. like, yes, it's right. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how it's like, oh, pajamas off, morphing outfit on, throw open the window, leaves a note for her mum this time. Yep. Um, Goes and wakes everybody up at three o'clock in the fucking morning. It's a, which is great. It's just, I love this. Um, and this time she thinks, this time she does announce herself to Tobias before she gets there, mm-hmm. which is just great. And just like, we're going to be butterflies and it's adorable. Mm-hmm. And I love how she says to him, we're going to be butterflies. We're going to go to Cassie's bar and then we're going to change history. And he just like flies, whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's grumpy about it, but what makes you think? And uh, that, that's what she knows where the Candrona is. And it's 3.47 in the morning <laughs> and at Cassie's barn. Yep. Uh, we're all there. Cassie's using the time to check the animals. Axe yep. is waiting to see what Jake tells her to do. Um, and they're there. Rachel reveals that she knows where the Candrona is and points out that the Elemist showed them. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And and she's, she pieces it together like everything was leveled except for the EGS tower. And it had those glass things up at the top. Um, and the Elemis was showing us all along, like, he wasn't being unfair. What if he's telling the truth that he's trying to do what's right? Um, and he tells us that in the future we lose the fight, that the human race is enslaved, and that he wants to save a small number of us by taking us to a safe place, and that's all true. But it matters what they decide. Um, because if it didn't matter how they decided, then why bother to ask what we wanted to do? It's basically the Elemis can't tell the future and therefore, you know, we, our decision matters here. Um, and he didn't take us because that he didn't want that answer from us. <laughs> Cassie says the Elemis is trapped. He wants to save Earth, but he can't interfere directly. Supposedly, all he's allowed to do is offer to save a small number of us, but he knows that won't save Earth. It will save a few humans. Yes, but when he showed us visions of Earth, he wasn't talking just about humans. He said Earth was a work of art. He wants us to find a way to save it without interfering directly. I agreed. But what if we just happen to see another way? What if the Elemis showed us the future? trying to convince us to let him take us away, and we just happened to see a way out. The Candrona. He let us see where the Candrona is. That York pool downtown, that's the key. Why leave the EGS tower still standing? And why is there a glass dome on the top floors of the EGS? Axe is the one who said it. The York pool is the center of their lives. That York pool, I think it's a shrine, almost a holy place to them. It's where they located the first Candrona to be placed on planet Earth. And so they're all like, all right, it's in the EGS tower. Uh, so what are we going to do? 
And they're like, love- all right. <laughs> so just that Marco just like realizes then the Alamist is cheating. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, like hey. he's a weasel. He found a loophole. I think I like that guy. And I'm just going to smack Marco. Just like, no, we do not like this guy. <laughs> the worst. Um, he's a but dick, yeah. but he is trying to save mm-hmm. the planet. Sort yes. of. Mm-hmm. And yeah. but And then we have this great moment where they're talking about yeah. what they got to do. If we destroy it, are we sure it changes the future? Cassie echoes some of what Miss Paloma said about the single butterfly. And Tobias is the one that then says, the same thing that Rachel did, mm-hmm. which is just real cute and beautiful, which is yeah. how does the butterfly know when to beat its wings? It doesn't. I guess it just, be- I guess it beats its wings the best it can and hope it will all work out. It's a butterfly. It just does what butterflies do. Um, and then Marco's just like, and what do we do, Xena, warrior princess, <laughs> knowing the answer I would give? And she's like, we kick your butt. Yep. Yay! And then at <laughs> at five o'clock in the morning, they just roll up to the EGS tower. Uh, they all morph battle morphs. Um, I love how they do this because, like, there's a yeah. guy coming. First, Cassie sees off a drunk guy, and they get to the door, and they the guard inside. Uh, like Marco knocks on the window mm-hmm. in gorilla form, which is just choice. The guard <laughs> recognizes Axe as an Andalite, and they're like, "Oh, it's fine. He's a controller." Just punches out the glass. And it's just yeah. like. <laughs> good this was the scene that made me think about how they don't think of controllers Uh, like the people who Mm. are being controlled yeah we had that conversation Mm -hmm. oh man i just figured that it wasn't seeing ags it's marco thought speaking to the dude i Uh just came from a masquerade party and i was looking for visa (laughs) three it's such a freaking weird thing to lead with but it's great yeah. yeah Yep. But yeah, Marco punches through the glass because he knows his controller and isn't worried and then punches the dude out mm-hmm. um, and they barrel through. And, and they all uh, go to the freight elevator and they all cram into the fucking freight elevator. Um, Cassie and Axe are going last, but Jake, Marco and Rachel with the most firepower are going in first. I like um, how they, they have to suss out how to figure the press the buttons and Rachel's the one that manages I like the fact that Marco is there as a gorilla <laughs> with very dexterous hands. But no, it's Rachel that's got to suss out how to do this with a bear claw. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. man, now um, I want a bear I do claw. Like, yeah. But uh, they take up, they talk about going to see a movie. Rachel wants to see the Keanu Reeves movie. I assume it's The Matrix, given the time I think this book came out. <laughs> it's got to be around then. I love how he's supposed to be cute, right? Duh. Um, I wonder if he ever wants to go out with a girl like me. You know, a lot of guys wouldn't want to date a grizzly bear. <laughs> and I like how we then, but I like that they're having this sort of banter mm-hmm. as a group. And like we have this great little observation of even in this ridiculous situation that's like nothing else, it's the same shitty, stupid elevator music. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Marco does the top floor lady shoes, children's apparel, everyone out. Yep. The door opens just as three humans and two Hawk Bajira racing towards the elevator. Yep. They take them the fuck out um, and wait for Cassie and Axe to, to come up. Um, and then they go towards where the Candrona is. They, they basically go running towards a separate, um, a separate part of the, the floor that they're on. They go down a hallway because they're running after a couple of the human controllers that they saw. Um, 
I took off at a loping run. The others were right behind me. My claws gouged the carpeted floor with every step. I couldn't see well, but I could smell the adrenaline of the frightened human controllers. I knew where they had gone. I could smell them. I could sense them. They had challenged me, and I was going to show them who was boss. Watch out, Rachel, Cassie called. There's a door straight ahead of you. Nah, nah. there's no door, I said, and plowed all my 800 pounds into a steel door that popped open like the lid of a jack-in-the-box. Where does a grizzly Inside, go? Wherever she wants. <laughs> Inside, eight hork warriors stood ready. Eight walking razor blades. Eight of them, five of us. No way we could win. A sensible person would have seen the odds and run away, but I charged straight at them. Later, everyone thought I was being brave. But you know what the truth was? The truth was, with my weak, bare eyesight, all I could see was a blur. I thought they were humans. I wasn't brave. I was just blind. (gasps) (sighs) And then we get uh, the gnarliest fight we've had so far. It is brutal. Yep. Um... It, it it's without reading the entire action scene um like everyone is fucking going at it rachel uh hits one hork in the head um gets cut cassie is taking out the throat of one hork axe is lashing out with his tail um jake and a hork are, like, locked in an embrace as they're rolling and slashing with each other. Marco fighting with one arm as he held his own sliced stomach together with the other hand. Marco gets disemboweled more than anyone else in this series. It's, it's, what, what did he do to upset Kay Applegate, I wonder? <laughs> but, um, and then we have this moment where uh, Rachel is wrestling with a hork who then gets punted out a window. Yep. Uh, she charges a hawk bajir out through the window, um, mm-hmm. and she hears it cry uh, as dying as it fell. I don't know, mm-hmm. like very far up. Enter to enter red-tailed hawk Tobias, just like yeah. doing his usual styley, uh, and the table turns. And he's enough to turn the tide. Of, yeah, he, he's the enough to turn the tide. Hmm. I wonder oh. if any of the hawk bajir were giving their yurks trouble in this were oh almost certainly yeah mm, i love that yeah um, i i mean the way that the way that we learn hork are later like there's no fucking way these hork aren't fighting them every for every inch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um the rest I of the just... hork retreat mm-hmm. We have this moment of recovery, like Marco props the door up, just like, I gotta demorph, because like he's doing so bad. And then just like everyone and Rachel's like, everyone needs to demorph. And Rachel's like, I'm fine. And like and I just like Rachel, your left arm. I stared blankly at my left paw. It wasn't there. It was a stump. Demorphing, I said. <laughs> Adrenaline is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh and then sort of they can take in just how much damage they did. Yeah, most seemed to be breathing. None were conscious, or were bleeding from claw and teeth wounds. Just like that's some daredevil esque. I didn't yeah. kill them. Just like mm, okay. Yeah, and we we get the the dichotomy of mm. uh, the animorphs morph out of their injured bodies. They're exhausted. 
Unfortunately for the Hork-Bajir, they could not simply morph out of their injured bodies. Yep. Uh, everything, everything is just a fucking mess. Uh, desks are splintered, carpets ripped, the walls are gouged, uh, their windows shattered. Um, uh, they go through the next room, and uh, there is a platform with a steel pedestal and atop it a small machine the size of a small car. It was shaped like a cylinder, tapered to dull points on both ends. Uh, it gleamed brightly like a new chrome, as if it had just been polished, and it made a slight low humming noise. As I approached, I felt my hair stand on end from the static electricity. It was warm in the room, very warm. It smelled like lightning. Axe confirms it's the Candrona. Uh, Jake asks if Rachel can morph elephant, and she does. And then she just um, acts like a house cat and shoves it out a window. <laughs> I do like that Tobias flies out first to make sure there's no pedestrians where they're about to shove it. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Tobias. Thank you, Tobias. And then they shove a Candrona out a 60-story window. Yep. That should um, do some damage to pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and th they do it, and they're just like, now we've got to bounce. And Marco's just like, okay, so what does it mean? How have we changed the future? And then guess who's here? <laughs> and Rachel feels very much the same way, because we have everything changes the future. And Rachel's like, somehow I knew we'd hear from that guy again. And they find out, like, there's going to be a new Candrona in here, like, three weeks. Mm -hmm. But and, Max like, is the one who points out mm, that it's not a waste. Mm. And how, like, a number of Yerks are going to die because they're going to have to go up to the mothership. Mm -hmm. And I like that we're trying to do that, and then Marco jokes about, do you mean three of our weeks? <laughs> um, and Jake's just like, did we do enough? Have we changed the future? <laughs> Nothing. And Rachel's the one who points out, he, I don't think he knows. Mm -hmm. uh, and that he probably doesn't know the he does. She doesn't believe that the Elemis knows the future any more than they do. Mm -hmm. Um. And then we have, like, because wherever it is, the Elemist exists and whatever he's up to and whatever game he's playing, and no matter how mighty he is, he has butterflies too, which is just a lovely little thought. Um, mm -hmm. And then they just laugh because it's, mm -hmm. it's good. Oh, and then they're laughing, and then the Elemist chimes in laughing as well. Um, yeah. As I said, you are a primitive race, and yet you are capable of learning. Yeah. And Rachel's just Dick. like, come on, guys. Do you have the energy for one more morph? I feel like flying. Mm -hmm. It's very cute. Yeah. And then we got our final chapter. Yeah. And the final bit here is uh, Rachel helping her dad uh, pack up the last of his things and saying goodbye to him as he gets ready to move. Um. At first, we saw no evidence that the Yerks were suffering. I don't know how they did it, but the Yerks managed to maintain. It wasn't until later that we learned we had done them terrible damage. But that's another story. Um, she she was like, you're too disorganized to be able to pack, to pack by yourself, she tells her dad. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and her dad's like, I wasn't sure you were going to be here. Um, and... They're both sad and like looking at each other in the way like, you know, you can always change your mind. You can always come and live with me, both knowing that, that she's not going to she take won. it and both, you know, saying like, oh, I'll come and visit, both knowing that that's not really going to happen either. Um, I really like that her dad says you should come, that, uh, come with the, he asked her to come with her to the airport uh, mm -hmm. and they all said I'm in a cabin. She's like, nah, I've got stuff to do. Like, 
instantly makes the choice. Mm-hmm. Look at this great bit. I understand you probably have something very important to do with your friends. It was a joke. Absolutely, I said. We have to save the world. My dad laughed. If anyone can do it, honey, it would be you. And the taxi drives off. Rachel looks up. A lone hawk circled high overhead. You coming, Rachel? Tobias called down to me and thought speak. I nodded my head so he could see. Yes, I was coming. <laughs> and that's book seven. It is, in fact, book seven. <sighs> that was a lot. A lot of that books. Was, it is a lot. A lot of feels. It's so much. Everything is just so much all the time. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So. Yep. Do we have any points from the Discord for discussion? Uh, Is the element a a time lord? (laughs) (laughs) Discuss. I think he's a Time Lord. I don't think he's the Doctor. Uh, I don't think he's a Time Lord, but I haven't watched enough Doctor Who to be sure. And <laughs> um, I do think that he and the Doctor having a fight would be awesome. And now I want that. <laughs> he has the ego of a Time Lord. He does. That's, that's my thing. Is he's got the ego of a Time Lord, and he's got the, oh no, we don't interfere in other things, of a Time Lord. Like, the Doctor kind of pretends that he doesn't, but he mm. knows he does. I feel like it's impossible to read that, and also the description of, like, Craig as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously there's the Sauron nods, but I can't help but feel like Kay Abigail are a Doctor Who fan. Because, <laughs> like, there's some potent vibes, and, like, yeah. even Karak feels a little bit like, uh, I forget the head of the Daleks. Not Dav, I, I don't think of Dav, I'm thinking about, but thinking about what a Dalek itself looks like inside mm-hmm. the machinery. Yeah. As well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I find it very interesting. I've always liked these sort of characters. I always find them interesting as much as I want to punch them in the face. Mm-hmm. repeatedly i want to come back when you eventually get to the book that sets up the elemist's backstory Ooh. which is oh, yeah. actually my most vivid memory of this series it has some really strong visuals in it it's yeah i cannot wait to reread it as an adult um yeah. i'm mm-hmm. definitely gonna have Fucking- opinions yeah, it it's so much. It's one of the most out there of the books because they were able to just like ignore Earth for a while. Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah, we'll, fucking, get, we'll get to that. You will we'll, get we'll to get that. to it eventually. It may be a year or two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, we got a schedule. We're 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 chipping away. Yep, just chipping away a little chipping bit at a time. Away. Um, but yeah, uh. Did y'all have a favorite part? Hmm. I feel like my favorite part is that ending, the moment of mm-hmm. um Rachel going off flying with Tobias. Mm-hmm. Like she's done some healing. She's still traumatized. Mm-hmm. Everything is still horrible, but she has gotten to do some healing. Mm-hmm. And it's also a very much a, 
yes, she has chosen the Animorphs. She has uh-huh. chosen this this path of the warrior um, over the path of this. Yeah, because this really is just a fucking it, it's a turning point for the whole series, but it's also t- a turning point for Rachel um, because she's so fucking conflicted in this book. Um, mm-hmm. But we see her make the decision here to be who the group needs her to be. Mm-hmm. I like that it's not even necessarily what she wants to be. Mm-hmm. No, it's what they need her to be. Yep. Yep. Jade? I'm not sure if I have. A, I like. I really enjoyed the action sequences, as I I so often do. Mm-hmm. Um, because I I I like this kind of stuff, and I file it away for future usage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I appreciate. Um, the losing control of the morph because I really mm-hmm. like how it's written yeah. and I really like the wider implications that it has mm-hmm. and just that whole sequence I found very engaging mm-hmm. and I was invested in what was going on I also liked the confrontation between Jake and Rachel yeah that was good Yeah, yeah. let them I think cry my favorite is, yeah for real honestly um What's your favorite part, Danielle? I think my favorite is that last battle scene. Mm, It's Um, so good. Yeah, and the lead up to it, um, because Mm. as I pointed out in the Discord, it's sometimes it really seems like the Animorphs are at their best when they just... Don't have a plan? They don't have a plan. They just go in guns blazing. Um, Mm. Because they're kids and they can't plan for shit. They haven't Mm -hmm. developed that part of their brain yet. (laughs) <laughs> like literally yeah at least they're not under the illusion that they're super smart yeah, yeah. looks at team brain cells <laughs> pay attention to this yep uh but yeah i think that's my favorite part both for dramatic irony reasons and for teamwork reasons and for mm. just rachel being a fucking badass reasons mm-hmm. uh, It's sad about Rachel 2K20. Mm -hmm. Sad about Rachel 2K ever, really. (laughs) It's just going to say the date just changes. It's this. It's sad about Rachel every year. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, All righty. Anything else anyone wants to put out there before we close up? Wear your fucking mask. (laughs) <laughs> yes, do wear your mask. Yeah. Um, Will, thank you for joining us. Thank I'm you so for glad that me. you you were able to offer us your insight. Uh, go ahead and and plug your stuff. Uh, you can find the Hope's Hearth podcast on Twitter, um, at Hope's Hearth Pod, or uh, you can. Probably wander around the internet. I think we have a website. I'm sorry. I don't usually do the plugs. <laughs> Hope's Hearth Pod is an actual play podcast um, where a bunch of queer individuals uh, create the community that they want to see in the world. Um, 
on an alien planet. That's just so weird. It's so uh, weird. Also, there are there are many dogs. Um, dogs are important. Um, also, deer people and cat people. We're we're on our furry bullshit. Uh, is mm-hmm. is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very good. I highly recommend it. I'm mostly just produce the episodes, but and thank you for that. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right. And my co-host has been Jade. You can find them on Twitter at Jade Oxford Rose. You can find uh, their regular podcast, uh, Follow the Leader at FTL Cast, and you can also find them on Dumb Kids Playing Hero, which we are on together. Uh, at DKPHPod. And my co-host has been Danielle. Uh, you can still find them on Twitter at RedtailedHawk90 and their games at RedtailedHawk90.itch.io. And you can find their All the Time podcast at RoomwayPod on Twitter. It's a sci-fi game. It's very fun. It has a lot of feels. Go listen to the thing. <laughs> Go listen to the uh, Halloween special if you missed it. Um, Cammy from the Old Gods of Appalachia was there. They played Kubrick. It was very good. I won't spoil what happened. Go listen. It was fun. It was and you don't need to worry. About, you don't need to worry. It's a standalone. So yes. it's there. Just go for it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool. Let's do a clap. Let's do a clap. Uh, 